Welcome to the Project Future podcast for people looking to launch and build their own amazing business. With me, Rob Kerr. A few years ago, I asked myself, how can people considering starting a business be confident they are making the right decision? And how can they improve their chances of success? The answer has become my book titled Project Future, Six Steps to Success as Your Own Boss. A Facebook group called the Project Future Club, where we support each other to launch and build our own amazing businesses. And this podcast, where every Tuesday, a business owner shares their story, including great tips about what to do and what not to do when launching or growing a business to empower you to make better decisions on your own journey. You'll find the show notes and transcripts at robkerr.co.uk. So in these uncertain times, if starting a business could be the right option for you and your family, read the book, join the Facebook group and enjoy the show. Now let's move on to this week's episode. Hello and welcome to episode 27 of the Project Future podcast. My guest this week is Inna Armstrong, a senior executive professional with multinational experience in different countries of the world. Inna is a professional speaker and co-founder of Clever Books. Her current focus is on influencing the change in the education system through a strategic application of innovative edtech, thus helping educators to embrace 21st century teaching. In this episode, Inner explains how there's now an opportunity to start building an international brand right from launch, why it's possible to start internationally rather than with your local market, why you should follow the statistics, why she's a strong believer in strategic partnerships, why creative thinking and collaborating are key skills, how Cleverbooks gathered information to grow in an unfamiliar market, why business development should be a balance of digital and in-person meetings, why you should think about what you can share to benefit others, why digital technology is the future for education, and finally, that unless you act, your dreams will just stay as a dream. In its best advice, is to be driven by your why. Let's have a listen. Hi, Anna. Welcome to the show. Hi, Rob. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. And and yeah, great to have you here. And yeah, really excited to to learn about your journey. You were recommended by Daria back in episode seventeen, and I know she's your business partner. So I'd I'd love to hear you know how it all started for you. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for having me on this episode. Uh, it's great pleasure. And I listened to the episode with Daria and uh, her side of the story. So from my perspective, uh, my journey started a long, long time ago, but it was quite, I had quite an interesting angle, I would say, um, how I actually started doing the international business and where I'm at now as a serial entrepreneur. So I was born in Siberia, in Russia. And um, interestingly enough, I have changed uh, a career, a potential career as a lawyer to a gypsy life around the world with my husband. So since then, I've traveled, um, I think, half the world and lived in five different countries in Europe and Asia. And uh, every place I've been, uh, that's kind of started to become the source of uh, the introduction to international life, to uh, multicultural communication. And uh, I started doing 
in international trade as part of the side projects living in different countries. And that gradually actually led me to the uh, to my professional career as international business development manager and then managing and leading international projects. Eventually, today, I'm the multiple entrepreneur doing having few businesses and so one of the businesses that I also do with Daria and it's quite interesting aspect because my core competence lay in uh, international sales and marketing and specifically in uh, bringing the brand forward and making it known on the international market and the landscape. That's brilliant. And I, I love how you've you've kind of used your your movement around the world, you know, and on a personal level and leveraged that to to say, okay, I've I've lived in a few places, I've experienced different cultures. That's my specialism professionally. It could be so easy to overlook that and say, okay, I've moved around a bit. But you you've clearly learned a lot of things in terms of the way people do business culturally as well, in terms of what appeals to certain people around the world and have, have made use of that as you've moved forwards. Absolutely. And uh, it's quite a great experience because nowadays, if you look, um, everything, you can start business in any country. And um, the great part is that you're not just starting a business locally as it was before, but you have the opportunity immediately to start building an international brand. However, many people who uh, start the businesses, mostly the startups and young entrepreneurs, they don't have really a sense of uh, how to take the brand forward, how to make it international and I think also how to leverage the message the product adjustments to different cultures etc so the concept of how to build the international brand what core aspects have to be part of it and the knowledge and the experience is definitely quite an important aspect so and I do have a privilege of uh, living uh, in different countries uh, having the opportunity to actually see how the brand brands position themselves in different markets how they start differentiating how the messaging actually differs depending if you start promotional activities or if you want to establish the business on site in Asia comparing, for example, to the US or even with the uh, European market. There are so many markets with so many different specifics and languages. So it's quite interesting to see how it's done and um, also to see sometimes the struggles that young startups come across on actually taking their brand to the next level apart from just being on the local market. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it's a, it's, it's a huge challenge if you only know one market to think how the products will work in another one. And, and it often will. You know, it, it often will have a market there. But as you say, you may need to just tweak it and positioning ever so slightly different than messaging. Um, you know, language is a big thing. You know, we went through that with, with Daria, the translation side of things and the, the fun that you've had with that on Clever Books. But that's that's the product itself. But in terms of getting the engagement and, and standing out potentially above a local business, uh, it must be a, a very interesting journey to, to help brands to achieve that. Absolutely. And the interesting part comes that sometimes as a young company, you will find that uh, the product or service you're offering, your local market is not ready for it. So rather than starting locally, you end up actually starting internationally. 
So that's quite an interesting aspect. And partially it also happened with clever books, as we see. So we had more recognition and uh, more adoption cycle, for example, in the US or in the Middle East, uh, rather than having it on our local market where we're based. Yeah, that's fascinating, isn't it? So if, if somebody finds themselves in that position where they have a service, for example, which uh, a SaaS product that's available over the internet for anybody in the world to buy, and they find that they're starting to get some traction in a certain market where they don't know anybody locally or have a connection locally, how would you suggest that somebody would go forwards and make the most of that opportunity? What would a strategy be to do that? Absolutely great question. And um, in regards to marketing and a strategic approach to expand to different markets, I always say that you need to follow the statistics. So usually every website, uh, if you have one, if you're promoting your services or product, you would be able to see uh, general statistics in Google Analytics, for example, where geographically the traffic comes from. And obviously, if you're doing majority of the promotion for one specific market, let's say the UK or Irish market, but then you see a large uh, organic traffic coming from the States or from Asia, you might as well jump on this opportunity and start exploring and see what really uh, brings that traffic in. And once you identify that that's generally a market of your interest, it definitely makes sense to explore that opportunity further. Before you go, though, uh, you need to understand how the marketing message would have to defer if you were to do the promotional activities for that market. But definitely take it as a um, great learning point, do a little bit of testing and see how far and how well you will be perceived and how the traffic will grow in that market just to assess the opportunity that lays in that direction yeah i think that's brilliant advice i really do and in terms of getting access locally within the market would you suggest that people reach out and see if there's you know not necessarily a competitor business but a complementary business locally perhaps that they may be able to to help and potentially bring a, a bring a partner on board either formally or informally would that be something to do early on to try and get greater visibility of that market or what, what would you suggest there i'm a strong believer in uh, strategic partnerships because I think only through strategic partnerships and doing things together, you can grow. And it's not only growth for you as a brand, it's also the growth for the other brand as well. And so at Books, sometimes we do promotional activities uh, even with our direct competitors, because we truly believe that we all have first two different products, but uh, we are serving one specific market uh, segment, and we want to make an impact in the education sector. The companies in the competitive sector as well want to do that. So rather than see uh, ourselves as two companies that compete against each other, we, we see two companies that actually have the same vision to make this difference, to help the kids to grow and develop the necessary skills. So and once you see this picture from a different angle, you start thinking, okay, how can we do things together? How can we uh, join forces, create bundles, create a better offering for the end users where users will eventually benefit from and they would have this professional growth or personal growth? So that's how I see. So definitely leveraging partnerships and all these fine creative ways on uh, finding strategic partners, on creating the offer uh, offers for them that will, they would see as win-win. 
So strategic partnership definitely would help you boost sales not only on the local market, but also in the international landscape and help to build the brand awareness and uh, expand the brand awareness, I think, for both brands. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. And I say one of the mantras that I have on the Project Future Manifesto is to collaborate and build partnerships. And uh, I say you, I think you articulated that really well in terms of not necessarily seeing people as as competition, you know, seeing them as potential collaborators and strategic partners and, you know, going for that win-win. I think, I think it's such a great way of thinking about things. And it can be so easy to try and kind of hide or keep something to yourself. But the, the danger of that is that nobody will know that you exist and that you'll, you'll miss out on that opportunity. And in the world we're in now, it's, it can be so easy to, you know, miss out on some of those opportunities by just not necessarily thinking through the the bigger picture side of things. So no, I think you've articulated that brilliantly. Absolutely. And quite an interesting aspect that you mentioned in regards to collaboration. Yes, it's all about collaboration. And if we think about it, what are the students now taught uh, at school? They're taught to creative think and also collaborate. And this is what uh, the future skills are. If kids are able to collaborate from the young age and uh, understand the the advantage of collaborative joint projects or opportunities, etc., then later on when they go into the workforce, that's the mindset and attitude they will have uh, eventually doing business. Yeah, no, that's that's amazing. Uh, I love that. Uh, I think it's it's so key, and I, and I wish that I was taught like that. Uh, yes, <laughs> <laughs> going back, and uh, so so let's let's talk about clever books for a moment while we're on that that subject. So, you know, in terms of of clever books and the the products that you offer, how does it help to you know give that kind of creative thinking and and that collaborative output really for for your students so how have you focused on that as a as a as a key part of the service you probably have spoken to Daria, but she not, might not mention about uh, how Clever Books has actually started. And uh, the whole company concept came uh, from a very, very deep passion of our visionary leader, Dr. Daria Gorina, um, who is passionate not about technology, but also the education landscape. And uh, the whole company is driven by the vision of making a difference and uh, helping the impact of the digital transformation and education. And it's very, very relevant to where we are today with the pandemic. Uh, it's been almost a year that we all um, have challenges in doing the work. And if we look at the education sector, uh, that's where a lot of challenges come through remote learning, through hybrid learning, and giving students really the opportunity to be excited and engaged in learning. So those are the challenges that we currently see. So in regards to how Clever Books um, really makes an impact is we really try to uh, help educators to overcome the challenges that are currently there and help immerse students in learning in the engaging environment where students can see, hear, touch knowledge and really interactive, interact in this creative and collaborative opportunity. We recently launched the Augmented Classroom Digital Space for K-12 Education, and that's absolutely an exciting product that uh, so many schools around the world uh, 
use at this stage because the students are very tired. Uh, it's very sometimes dismotivating for them to be in front of the screen. And there is a lack of digital resources that uh, teachers can use to really interact with students uh, in a collaborative environment uh, through remote or hybrid learning. Uh, opportunities. So this digital space really gives the students this opportunity to uh, immerse and want to learn more, want to explore the content. And at the same time, it really simplifies, um, let's say, the teacher's work to deliver the content that they have to deliver. Yeah, I think it's amazing. And I know it's, you know, Derek called it a massive stone that, you know, you're trying to move in order to to change and, and grow the education system and, and really, you know, make it fit for the digital age. And, you know, I applaud you for that, that vision and, and the mission that you have, because I think I think it's brilliant. And what we need and what, you know, I've got two young kids, and it's what the world needs going forwards, which is, is such a great platform to, to build a business on. Absolutely. And uh, there are a, few, a couple of more uh, aspects that I would really like to uh, add here. Yeah, please do. We were talking about collaboration, and I just want to say that, uh, you know, it's not something that we do on our own. On our own. We have a huge a community of ambassadors, strategic partners around the world, because uh, those are the like-minded people, like-minded partners, and like-minded educators who also truly believe that this change is needed and uh, that it's possible. And to facilitate that, I think it's a great environment to be. And uh, um, as I said, I'm very proud to say that uh, we have such a strong community who supports and really believes uh, that uh, the, the change has to happen. Yeah, that's great. And in, in terms of the point you made a few minutes ago, in terms of following the statistics, clearly Cleverbooks is in you know multiple countries across the world now. Is there an example you can you can give where early on you noticed that there was traction in in a market uh, that you weren't necessarily familiar with, and you know how you kind of progress that opportunity? Because we we spoke about the theory earlier, which I completely agree with. But is there an example that you can you can use of how that's happened in reality for Cleverbooks? Yes, absolutely. Uh, probably a great example would be the Middle East market. This is the market that I personally was not very familiar with because uh, I never, let's say, learned about the uh, Arabic culture or uh, was even traveling uh, to that part of the world. And it was quite interesting to see that uh, at some point, a couple of years ago, we started noticing that there is a lot of traffic from uh, from United Arab Emirates to start with. So we started monitoring it for some time, and then we could see that the numbers are really increasing. And then we started seeing uh, some feedback from uh, local educators uh, who were posting on their native language, as well as in English, tagging clever books of how they're using that uh, as part of their day-to-day -day tasks or doing some trainings for other educators. So, and this is when we thought, wow, that's an interesting aspect. That's an, an interesting uh, thing for us to actually reflect. So we started communicating to all those people who were doing the post on social media. We started reaching out to them, uh, people who would sign up and subscribe to get uh, the free resources, to uh, the demo resources to try. And it was quite an interesting thing to see that through this communication, we actually learned a lot about um, how the product has 
has to be adjusted to their local market needs. Uh, and also what kind of resources they were looking for, what kind of curriculum they had. So eventually, through building this community, we were able to gather the information that helped us to grow that market. And recently, Daria was presenting Last week, uh, Daria was presenting as a keynote speaker at one of the big tech uh, Arabia events, talking about the immersive technologies. And interestingly enough, within uh, the people who were listening, there were some people who already know Cleverbooks, some schools that already use Cleverbooks. So I think that really shows um, the importance of paying attention to everything that you notice as part of the statistics and uh, trying to take it further and try to develop and learn from it. And at the same time, as you're taking this opportunity, as you're learning and uh, trying to communicate with people, trying to understand what they're looking for, how you can help them and how, because if you help them, it will give them enough tools and strategies to actually help the students. And that's what then brings back to you that the brand is really well perceived and uh, the community actually starts helping you. And um, then you could be very surprised in regards to how many people know about you. Yeah, that's a lot of things that happen in the background, isn't there, where you may have you know a, a small amount of subscribers or whatever it may be, but then there's those conversations that are happening, which you can't have the statistics on, you know, <laughs> and you've got that momentum and it's, it's kind of building there. And it's a, it's a really interesting example, uh, the Middle East and the UAE. I'm not surprised that that was the example that, that you gave. Uh, in episode 18, I had Jaeger, who's a, a brilliant fashion illustrator, and mm-hmm. a lot of her work has, has come in, in that space. You know, she's uh, kind of had prints on, on show at the Dubai Mall and has, uh, and has drawn royalty in that part of the world as well, in Bahrain. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's such a young population there and it's you know, the way it's kind of developed in the last 30 years, so much opportunity and desire to grow. So yeah, it's it, it strikes me as a perfect market for you. It was great to see uh, the, the whole development of the market and also the strategic approach that ministries of education have uh, in regards to helping the students to acquire those digital skills and uh, the whole investment that goes into bringing those digital technologies as part of the education landscape. And uh, Daria was presenting at Shejak um, at, uh, at one of the festivals. She was invited as, as a guest speaker uh, to present also on emerging technologies and how augmented reality can help education. So that was a very interesting learning point, actually being on site. And uh, then as a follow-up, both me and her actually flew to United Arab Emirates to present at an international book at their conference. And again, it was very interesting to see uh, and speak to people in person. So I think coming back to kind of the whole marketing strategy and the aspect and probably would be a couple of suggestions for businesses that um, really think in regards to taking the opportunities based on the metrics that they see and see how they can develop the brand awareness in that specific region. Uh, it's not just about creating and managing and leveraging uh, the online community, but it's also trying to find, find the opportunity that you can take to visit and have a personal, uh, let's say, get-together or meetings or presentations done for the local community. Because once you're on site, you have the opportunity to learn even more than you can within the digital environment. Yeah, indeed. And, you know, fingers crossed, hopefully now we're we're coming out of the COVID 
um, phase where there's going to be more international travel and more opportunities to do things like that. But of course, it's an investment, isn't it? Absolutely. It's a big investment of time, of, of, of money to kind of to fly over and, and kind of make those decisions. So what would you say would be a, a, a driver? It'd be so easy to decline an opportunity like that and say, no, I'm just going to focus with my my kind of online marketing. But what would you say would be a driving point to, for someone to make a decision if they've got, say, potentially th- three opportunities to travel a- around the world? What would be the key drivers to say, yes, this is the opportunity that, that justifies uh, the, the time and financial investment to be on site? I think the biggest one uh, is building the personal relation. Okay. Uh, because if you think about, let's take an example, Asian communities. Um, for example, in China, in Japan, everything is built about uh, a spider web of who knows who and building the spider uh, web of networking um, contacts. And I think it's a brilliant concept to adopt because um, once you've met the person once, it's more likely they will remember you as a person and it's more likely that whenever there is an opportunity that will come, they will refer you or they will remember about you. But if you think about just speaking to the person in Zoom meeting or in audio, just conference, it still does not resonate so much because if you think about it mostly now in the last year, the amount of conferences, the amount of meetings that you conduct online, and it just becomes a little bit overwhelming. So I think is one of the strategies for nearby future is to see how you can balance and leverage both the online business development, but also have that opportunity to see how you can integrate personal meetings. And uh, even if it takes more investment, but at the end of the day, it's more likely that uh, you would actually be able to build a strong relationship. And sometimes even if you think uh, Middle East also is a perfect example, unless you meet the person in person, you might not even be able to start the business. Although you could have already spoken multiple times and done multiple cross uh, conferences and already started engaging in a contract. But sometimes you would see that the contract doesn't go further. Uh, uh, One side or the other side is still hesitating to sign. And the question comes, why? And in many cases, because there's still a need for that personal uh, connection to be built. And then everything will speed up. Yeah, that's a great point. And personal relationships are so key. You know, I think that people work with people at the end of the day. And if you've made the time to invest, it will be appreciated. And uh, I think even more so going forwards. Firstly, it's also nice to be talking about this and the potential for international travel again, you know, having, you know, sort of had the last year or so. So it's, it's very exciting to be considering this as an opportunity. But equally, you know, it would be so easy to just kind of do zoom and use the tech so if you turn up somewhere then you're, you're going to get noticed so i i think it won't necessarily just be for the one event as well you can find out what else is on at the same time even potentially combine it with a holiday depending on where it is so you don't have to fly in and out on the same day you know there's there's ways of of kind of making the most of those opportunities as well so no, i think that's that's really good advice absolutely so in in terms of Additionally to this, I know you're on some boards, uh, so you, you support as a, as a non-exec director and that kind of thing. So if, if people are coming out of um, a corporate role and they potentially want to have a combination uh, in their work going forward, so potentially run a startup 
and advise a, a board or a, a non-profit or whatever it may be, how would you suggest that, that people can consider those opportunities and take and take that forwards as well? That's a brilliant question. And there is no really definite answer to that, I would say. In my case, usually, and I think in many cases as well, the opportunities present themselves. And usually it all comes from a really your passion for the industry and for what you do. From my perspective, it's great to have the opportunity to practice and to build the strategies, create the strategies, and then implement them and see the results that they bring. But on the other hand, as a startup, when we just started, Daria and I, uh, we always wish that there could be someone who could help us and maybe give us a hint, give us a tip and say, guys, no, that, don't try that one because um, it, it's just not going to work or it's going to take longer. And if someone actually had the opportunity to navigate them and says, guys, why don't you look into this? This probably would be the best go-to-market strategy and more fa- efficient and less costly. We would have saved a lot of time. So when you think, if you think about serving on the board uh, or starting your own business or startup, etc., think about uh, how can you share your knowledge and experience to the benefit of others? Because I think everything in this world is about uh, sharing the experience and becoming the better versions of who we are and helping others. So I think that's where everything comes from for me. Yeah, that's, what a great answer. Uh, I love that. And it can work both ways as well. So it can work to share your knowledge as a, you know, as an advisor. But then equally, if, if you're that startup, it's about seeking those advisors, isn't it? That <laughs> Those people that can help you on that journey to, to kind of push you forward. Absolutely. So, and probably another huge benefit for being as part of the advisor, uh, advisory board for young startup, innovative startup, is that you actually learn a lot from them and you stay tuned to the current trends, etc. So a huge advantage of uh, keep current and uh, being in the environment of like-minded, passionate, innovative people. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. And And what's the future for you? Clearly, you know, Clever Books is, is making great progress. It's brilliant to see. So what do you foresee over the next few years? We're here to stay. And as Clever Books community, we're so grateful to have uh, a community of like-minded people, educators, partners who truly believe uh, in the same vision as we do, that education tra- uh, needs a transformation and the digital technology is the future. It's here and it's going to stay. And uh, the way we ed- educate kids today is going to actually impact how the future workforce will be and what kind of innovation we will foresee because of those students who were initially exposed to innovative technologies, immersive technologies, and also had the opportunities to be taught on how to use and leverage those technologies strategically. That's the future we're creating for ourselves. So at Clever Books, we strongly believe that we can create the brighter future for the next generation, one kid at a time. Yeah, I love it. And I wish you every success with it as well, because it's a, it's a great cause and it's what we need. It's, it's what the world needs. Um, before you go, there's questions that I ask every guest on the show. And the first one is, what's the one best piece of advice that you'd offer for somebody thinking about starting their own business today? From my perspective, 
you need to know your why. Why you're doing this. What is your vision? How you want to serve the community? Because if you don't know your why, and if you don't have passion for what you're doing, I'm not sure you would be able to succeed to your full potential. And if you do really have that deep sense of making a difference on creating a bright future or changing the industry, and this why really drives you within, and you wake up every morning and you truly believe that this is what is going to make a difference, then your business is foresee to succeed. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And in, in that, you know, I think there's there's so many angles you could you could take from there. But at the same time, there's lots of competition out. There's lots of other people. And for, for you to be chosen as the solution to someone's problem, I, I think it's so key to to have that passion and to know why you can stand up and say, look, I'm I'm the solution. I've, I've got my hand up here. You can't see that, uh, <laughs> but but you know I'm I'm the right answer. I'm the person that you need. This is the service or the products that you need, and I'm the right person to create it because of you know whatever the reasons might be. Uh, so and yeah, I, I think that's a really great point. Absolutely, and it's more that uh, we're here to help you succeed. Doesn't matter if we provide your service. Doesn't matter if you provide uh, we sell your product. But with our product, with our service, you can have a better life. Uh, you can have more opportunities, and you can make your future brighter and better. Yeah, that's brilliant. It makes selling easy, then, doesn't it? You know, if you can, if you can share that and get that information across to the to the user um, or the potential customer, then the selling's the easy part. Absolutely. You always have to put yourself in your customer's shoes and ask uh, yourself, why do your customers buy? Why do your customers actually drawn to your brand? Because that's the best way to really understand what your customers are looking for. And uh, eventually that's what drives your business plan. Yep. And serves them. Yeah, that's a really great point. So what do you know now uh, that you wish you knew when you first started? I think it's not being afraid to go for bigger things and for uh, to actually think big. Sometimes when you start up, you start doubting yourself and you feel, you feel oh, maybe those partners are not, is a little bit out of my reach. And uh, maybe I'll wait a little bit until um, I grow, I have a stronger community, etc. But I've actually learned that it doesn't matter at which stage you are, if you have a great product or service, if you have a strong vision in regards to why you're doing this, and if you really can communicate that to the partner that you're reaching, showing them the benefits and how your vision is aligned to what they're doing, it's more likely that you will succeed. doesn't matter where you're at, to start with, how your community is smaller, big, etc. Yeah, I love it. And a part of that is a mindset shift as well, isn't it? And being ready and willing to, to kind of take opportunities. Because if you're thinking relatively low, then there's the chance that some opportunities for bigger things might come along, but you can you can reject them and say, oh, I'm not ready or whatever it may be. But some brands can grow incredibly quickly, you know, and, and find their level and i think there's that's a key part of it as well because a, a product or service to to be fully optimized and to, to make 
you know, the impacts that it deserves, it will have an appropriate level. And I think knowing what that is and, you know, having the confidence in yourself and, and in the business that you've developed, it's really key. And yeah, it, it can be scary to, to aim high uh, because it can be easier to fail if you, if you do that. But at the same time, that's the, the kind of perception of what success and failure is as well. You know, it Absolutely. can be if you aim low and succeed, that could be failure as well. So it's, yeah, it's it's a really tricky one. And, and I think something that most business owners listening will understand. Absolutely. But it's not just about dreaming big. It's about uh, putting your dream into actions. Because Mm. unless you act, your dreams will just stay as a dream. Brilliant. And is there a resource? So be it a, a book, a podcast, a website, a blog, anything that you'd recommend, either in the education space or something else that you've really enjoyed over the years? One of my favorite latest books is um, by Donald Miller, Building a Story Brand. A fantastic book on on helping you understand really how to communicate uh, the brand story, how to outline the whole customer journey and to make sure that it all aligns on leading the prospect become your customer so a great book to learn from and so also you have to remember as part of um, any business you need to do sales and it's quite a big aspect it doesn't matter if it's in digital sales or uh, face-to-face sales virtual sales that you have to do i think knowing the basic tips tricks and techniques on how to sell would definitely help you in the marketing material as well as if you conduct um, negotiations or conversations or demos for your product or service and i really like the book the success secrets of sales superstars by robert hook and uh, barry father definitely would, would advise that one too Excellent. Well, the second one with all the S's is one that I need to to check out myself because I, I don't know that, but it sounds excellent. Uh, but yeah, Building Story Brand is a, is a brilliant book. Um, it's it's one that's on my bookshelf, and I know that Donald Miller's you know kind of moved on, has published another book uh, quite recently, and has also got a range of affiliates out there so that kind of deliver the services that 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 he's kind of created in that book. So uh, yeah, lots of companies are, are using that method now. Um, to, to kind of promote and, and grow a business. So yeah, I think everybody loves stories and you know a story brand is a very good concept and and yeah, one that I think's got a lot of traction. Great framework to follow. Yes. <laughs> Brilliant suggestions there. And just finally then, if somebody wants to get in touch with you and find out more about what you do, what's the best way for them to do that? Best way would be to connect on LinkedIn. My name is Ina Armstrong, and you're very welcome to reach out, and I'll be glad to have you as part of my professional community. And who knows where that connection will lead us to. Well, thank you so much, Ina. It's been great speaking with you today. You've shared so much wonderful advice, and I think the the international aspect uh, is so key in the modern world that we live in. So it's uh, brilliant for you to have shared that with us. Thank you so much. Rob, thank you very much. It's been a great pleasure talking to you. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. There are so many takeaways, but what stands out most to me is the strategy of how you can build your business internationally right from the outset. Especially for service businesses, the power of the internet means that barriers to entry have largely been removed, and if you have something to offer, people anywhere can buy it. Following the statistics and taking time to understand the local market, as Inna did with the UAE, shows the breadth of opportunity that exists. 
In addition to that, her points on balancing digital and in-person meetings are so vital. Thinking back to Al Gary in episode 22, he explained how he spent so much time travelling and attending events to get visibility of his business, ZigZag Global. And the time will soon come for us to factor this into our marketing and networking again. What stood out for you in this episode? Join the Project Future Club group on Facebook and start engaging in the conversation. On next week's episode, I speak with the UK's startup partner, Lee Lam, on how startups prosper. It's not to be missed, so subscribe now to get notified of this on Tuesday morning. Thank you for listening. Until next time, keep launching and building those amazing businesses that give you satisfaction and balance.